Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to the Fight Club. I hope that everyone enjoyed a wonderful long weekend. Um, We are super happy to now be here sharing a truly remarkable story with you all today. So I'll leave it to Chloe to introduce a bit about Dahlia and her story. So we have Dahlia talking with us today. She's 20 years old, and her story with cancer may surprise you. It's quite rare what happened to her at the age of 20. So we're really excited to explore her diagnosis, how it affected her, and hopefully inspire and help those of you out there going through something similar. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Dahlia to the Fight Club. You're listening to the Fight Club. Hey, Dahlia. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. And I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Perfect. So why don't you give a little introduction about yourself, who you are, and why you are joining us today on the Fight Club? My name is Dahlia, and I was in third year at McGill studying psychology when I felt a lump in my breast in October and I thought that it was probably nothing but I wanted to talk to my parents and my doctor about it just in case because it obviously really freaked me out and I ended up coming home for reading week and being signed up for a ultrasound and a mammogram just to like rule everything out so that it would they would say it's nothing. And then I had that at Princess Margaret. And like right after the first ultrasound, they were already asking me questions about family, breast cancer or things. So I knew right away. And then I had an ultra, more ultrasounds, mammograms and a biopsy that day. And then two days later, I came back in and met with the surgeon who told me that it was for sure cancer and that I would have to get eight rounds of chemo and a double mastectomy and then radiation. So I knew right away I was not going back to school for a really long time. And now I am done the chemo, done the surgery five weeks ago, and I'm ready to start radiation like this month or next month. Well, wow. I'm sure everybody's initial thought is you're so young. I didn't realize people got breast cancer at the age of 20. So what was that? I'm sure you had the exact same thought. And you mentioned that they asked you about the history in your family. So what was your kind of initial reaction so I mean I I just still like don't really believe it because it's so crazy but yeah I knew there was history in my family but no one has died from it so like at least it's like not positive history but like the positive ending and yeah I it's really crazy and I feel like still like no one even believes it like so many of my friends moms have like sent messages just like like because they don't understand because like that's the age that this should be happening not that it should be happening yeah it's one of those things that someone will tell you and you'll be like wait breast cancer are you sure like Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that existed among that age group also like just cancer in general is a super super shocking diagnosis and obviously will take anyone by storm because no one's going into their life expecting to overcome such a horrible illness. However, like breast cancer at 20 years old, like that's absolutely, absolutely like unheard of in my, in my lifetime. And I'm sure yours as well. Like, I'm sure you have never heard of anyone around your age getting breast cancer until after being diagnosed, obviously when you seek it out, that's absolutely insane. How has it been having to leave school and not being able to do that and not being able to be around your friends? Like maybe speak to some of those challenges. So at the beginning, it was like 
so much more difficult than it was now because moving back home was obviously not exciting as it should be, but also I was missing so many things. It was Halloween a week later and exchange had just been like uncanceled. So everyone was finding out they're going on exchange and I was supposed to go too. So that was really hard for me, but it was also, I knew I needed my parents. Like I could not be at school going through anything like this. And over time it got a lot easier to be at home and like kind of push all those things away because I wasn't feeling well. I didn't like as much as I would have wanted to be there in that moment, the FOMO kind of simmered it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's exactly where you need to be, especially when you're, when it's such a big, like life altering moment, school and parties and trips, they all sound like a dream, but that's what FOMO is. Like you're your fear of missing out is going to be, I mean, I have it. I feel like everyone has it, but when you're really looking inward, you're like, okay, it doesn't even make sense for me to want to be doing these things. Cause it's just not in, in your realm of possibilities. And you're dealing with something a lot more intense than anyone else in your age group. How did you um, start your blog? You might want to give a bit of a back background for the listeners, but I think it would be really interesting to see how you've created a positive outlet for yourself. So I wanted to do something. I had no idea it was writing. Like I literally wanted to bake cookies at one point. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but my mom was like, maybe you should write a blog. And I was like, okay. And then she just came up with the best name ever, Living My Best Life. So I started it by myself. I wasn't showing it to people. I would read the like first post to some of my friends, but I hadn't sent it around or posted on my Instagram or anything. And then once I started chemo is when I posted it because I I wanted, I mean, I obviously it's nice for people to know because I know people like to send supportive messages and also to read about what's going on in someone's crazy life like this. But it's been so helpful because now everyone's asking me, oh, when are you going to post your next vlog? And it's fun to post it. And it's nice to talk about the cancer in a positive way. And also if I talked about it in a negative way, I would not be the same person. So it's just not like I would, I would just be too sad all the time and anxious and worrying about everything. So it's so much easier also to write it because when when I talk about it in a positive way, then other people are talking about it positively too and also aren't looking at me with sad eyes and things like that because that would make it a lot harder. Totally. Yeah. Such mm-hmm. a great out, like an outlet for you to have as well. Like it gives you something to mm-hmm. be inspired to do, especially when you're having such, such hard days. I also wanted to touch on, I think being that you're the only, like adults we've talked to so far who's gone through cancers like a young adult and also in COVID I think it would be really interesting for you to talk about like maybe that experience and how COVID has affected your journey and your recovery process. My COVID is like so I maybe it's a lot crazier than other people's because my family has always been really careful my dad works in the hospital so like he can't get it and if he does it would just be really bad so We've been the entire time. My parents have barely gone to any restaurants or only outside. And we barely let anyone in our house these days, unless you have a rapid test. And especially it kept getting so bad at the worst points. Winter break was when it was Omicron. And that was terrible because I was in the middle of the chemo and it was really bad. And I couldn't see anyone, even though people were home. And I could only see people outside in the freezing cold. And as much as I'm fine to sit in my backyard for two hours, because that's the most exciting time of week or month, other people don't want to do that. And there was a point where I was super uh, immune compromised. So I wasn't even going into stores with like three masks on and a visor. Like there was just nothing. The only place I was going was the hospital. 
But for some reason, it was still fun at home. I, I don't know. It obviously impacted me in ways that I don't really understand because I can't compare it to anything. Right. Yeah, like sometimes the mask is just nice because you can cover up even more of your face. And also you learn to pivot in these situations, right? Like you learn to kind of redefine what fun is and redefine what normalcy is. So then that will kind of serve as your benchmark. So now going forward, everything that you do that's kind of like your life pre-cancer is going to be such an exciting adventure for you. So even being able to like maybe go sit on a patio this summer and have drinks with friends is going to be so much more exciting and meaningful than it ever was before because you haven't been able to do that for so long. I'm so excited. And also yeah. such nice like quality time with your family, right? Like no one gets that type of quality time with their parents when they're 20 years old because most 20 year olds want to go off and be out in the big world and be at school. So even though that's not what you necessarily wanted, you will be super grateful for that experience at some point in time. And it it sounds like you're grateful for it already. So and like before if I came home from school, it'd be like one week. I'm like, I need to leave right now. Like it's enough time at home, but now I don't want to go back. I I will, but it's not as going to be as easy as it ever was. Yeah, exactly. I feel like lockdown probably like prepped you in the sense that you know you can stay in your house for a long period of time and just chill with your family and make being at home fun. So there is an element of like good thing that happened. So it wasn't the complete 180. Mm -hmm. And like, I know, yeah, it was like practice. It was practice. Exactly. I know all the activities, like I can go (laughs) of like 10 puzzles or something. Yeah, exactly. Also with your diagnosis, you had so many different hurdles you had to overcome even just from the beginning being diagnosed you had to have mammograms biopsy and then you had to have chemo and then you had to have a a double mastectomy and you're gonna have radiation what would you say to date obviously you haven't done like the you haven't finished everything yet but what's been the the hardest part for you like what was the most challenging process in your journey probably well at the beginning the diagnosis like seemed to be the most scary because Every morning I was waking up a million times in the middle of the night and then I have to wake up early morning to go to Princess Margaret to get all these scans and hearing all these scary things. But the one thing that made it easier, I know you asked about the hardest, but first the one thing that made it easier was like, I feel like I've never, I mean, I obviously got a shocking news at the beginning, but since then I feel like I've never not been prepared for what they're going to tell me or like what I'm going to have to go through because right after they told me the diagnosis, they told me I would need surgery. They didn't tell me what surgery, but like, once I came home, me and my mom were talking and she's like, you know, you're going to need a double mastectomy. So then when I went to meet the surgeon and they told me it wasn't a shock when they told me about what type of tumor mine was, we had already done the research. So like, it was nice to not have anything told to me that I wasn't somewhat familiar with or known kind of what they were going to say, which right. made things easier at the beginning. But maybe the hardest thing would be, well, the hair was really hard for my mom, but for some reason it wasn't hard for me. But <laughs> I don't know. I never shaved my head. And I mean, I know it's going back, but I don't know if it would be easier to shave it all and like have it one and done or like to watch it fall out like I did. Like, I actually don't know because I was so scared of shaving it. So I just let it fall out. But I don't know if it'd be easier the other way or if it's harder to watch like long hair just fall to the ground. Yeah. So that was hard for my mom. And then I think for me, the hardest, the first chemo, because it kept, I was so scared. I was going to like throw up on the spot because you see so many things in movies of people on the ground over the toilet barfing. And I never once threw up. And there's so much medicine that prevents you from feeling that way, or you just go to bed. But at the beginning I had this like 
my first four treatments were this bright red syringe of they literally tell me every time that looks like kool-aid like being injected <laughs> into my elbow and um I think I had that too yeah that's the exact name of it but it was like the bright red one and they were like red and it affects your heart and that was always yeah <laughs> yeah so the first time it was going in that was definitely the scariest maybe another scary was the first MRI because I had to be on my stomach and I mean, you're in there for a long time. And I decided it was time to freak out once I was already in the machine, which it ended up being totally fine. Chemo is also so hard to describe how it makes you feel, right? Like, cause you see, same with me beforehand, like I'd seen chemo and I was like, oh, it just means you feel really sick and feeling really sick is like feeling nauseous, but it actually just sucks the life out of you. Mm-hmm. But there's no like specific symptoms you can pinpoint that it makes you feel. It just makes you feel like not yourself. Mm-hmm. Also like, feeling sick with, with like a scarf around your head, but like I never once yeah. had a scarf. Like, I don't know. It just looks so different than how people picture it. Yeah. yeah, I literally wasn't able to walk anywhere other than in my house. I would go on walks with my grandparents and they could go like, 10 times longer than I could, which is really <laughs> I think also everyone's journey is so different with chemo, right? Some people are like totally, also everyone's chemo cocktail mm-hmm. is so different, but some people are totally fine during chemo. And also some people only take like pill forms of chemo and that's the only chemo they ever do. And they're totally fine. And then some people are hospitalized when they have chemo. And then some people just feel horrible. It's so hard to gauge how you're going to react to. So that's also the scary part of going into that. And I think there's a huge misconception about chemo too. A lot of people think that cancer patients just get one medication and that medication is chemo, but Mm -hmm. chemo just means a bunch of different medications. You could be on three medications or you could be on 15. Yeah. And at the beginning I did, every time you have a fever, you have to, they told me you have to go to emerge. So I spent like two different times. I had to spend the night there. My immune system was so low that anything was giving me a fever. They said even regular healthy bacteria in my body where my body wasn't able to like fight it off. So I totally relate to that. There's many a time that my mom and I would go to the emergency room at like three in the morning. Yeah, not fun. (laughs) It's definitely not. And then, so maybe tell people about like, I know you already touched on it a bit, but like where you are in your journey so far. So yeah, so I'm done chemo. I'm done my surgery. And next I have radiation. I'm not ready for it yet because I am still healing from my surgery and they're not ready to start yet. But hopefully I'll be done by the end of May, which I it's very reasonable to be done by the end of May. And then two weeks after my radiation, I'm going to start pill chemo for a year and a half. And it's, it's two different types. So even more of a chemo cocktail. And it's just to make sure that everything is out of my body, even though they took everything out that they could find in the surgery, it's still possible because cancer is so mean that one little tiny cell could slip away and you can't see it in like the strongest microscope or the strongest scan. So just in case I'm going on these pills, they only told me to go on one, but my parents like to go extra for well, which makes sense. So I am taking two different types of pills, which there's no data on it, but I mean, I'm sure there will be in the future. It's just it's too early because one of the pills is really new. Right. So I am trying two different types and that's why it's going to take so long. Like it was before it was just supposed to be six months or a year, but now we added it together. It's worth trying. So you never have to deal with this ever again. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they're saying. Like the doctor was like, I don't know if it's worth it to put you through all this pain, but it's obviously worth it to me. If I've done it all before, why not continue 
being in like a little bit of pain, nothing compared to what I was in before to never have to go through this again. I feel like you have such a strong mindset now because you've mentioned how like I've been through that before. Like I've been through that pain. I can kind of handle anything that's to come. Mm -hmm. And also how all the news that came after your diagnosis wasn't anything compared to the initial shock. And I feel like it's going to help you so much. I'm sure you already know this, but so much in life to be able to have this strength at the age of 20, going back to school, nothing's going to shake you. What kept you so positive throughout this, this time? Okay. So yeah, the blog definitely helped. I did a lot of, well, I would just try and do something in my day to like, not just sit around when I could. And at the beginning for my first four chemos, I could barely do anything. But then with the second four, I started to be able to live my life more. I could, at the beginning, I like barely wore my wig because I didn't care about anything. I would just rather sit at home and watch TV. I did watch a lot of TV. I, my grandmother would come over like all the time, which is really nice. And my mom like cut a lot of her work down, like a lot, a lot. So I never spent time in my room. I would always literally follow her around the house and Aww. having a dog really helps. I think that's the best thing ever because even when I would come home from a chemo, you just like jump on my lap, which is so nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Feeling like love, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then at the, in the second half, I was making a lot of food, which I like love baking and cooking. So that was nice. And I, and my sister was, is home. My brother goes to Queens, but my sister was home, which um, was really nice. Cause I got, I get to spend a lot of time with her and my parents having someone to worry about. That's not me is also. Right. <laughs> Share the attention. Yeah. Well, I feel yeah. like also just it, it, when you have, or when you're never alone, basically there's no time for you to think about being negative mm-hmm. also. Yeah, like, like I'm literally never alone unless I'm on the phone. And like, I spent so much less time on the phone with friends than I used to. It's like really crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And you mentioned before we got on the call about your the cold cap. I think it would be interesting for people to kind of get a little insight into what that treatment looked like. Yeah, so right when I like literally got my first mammogram, the radiologist was telling me you're going to need chemo right now. And she told that to my mom. And I think she whispered it to her and my mom told me, and I was like, no, like I'm not losing my hair. I'm not going bald, obviously not. So I, we did a bunch of research and there were two different companies that made these cold caps that we found. And my dad had heard from one of his friend's wives that she had tried one of the companies and that it worked really well for her because she was also really working on making sure that people couldn't tell that you're sick, even though on the inside, you can't tell from the outside, which is something I cared about a lot more at the beginning than I do now. And also I feel like you have to go through it to not care about it. If I was, didn't go through any of this, there would never be a time where I wouldn't care about it. You don't realize how insignificant it is relative. Yeah. Yeah. Even though like that sounds like silly, like it actually happened. But so I, we found these two companies and then we talked to my oncologist and he said, oh, we actually have one of the machines for, from that company hospital. So My mom called the company and it was this nice man that was like, I made this because my wife went through breast cancer and she didn't want to lose her hair. So it's this cap that goes on your head and it has, it's attached to a machine that has freezing cold water moving up and down, like, like a million different, not a million, like 10 or 15 different like tubes of water going around your head. And you have to wear it for a certain amount of time before, maybe it was half an hour before and literally 
three hours after or something. It was such a long day. And the chemo is only like 45 minutes, but you have to wear it for so long. And yeah, it was freezing cold. And they also had to wet your hair, which makes it so much worse. So the hair that I had at the beginning, I only ended up doing it for the first two, which I'll explain, but they have to wet. I had such thick hair and they have to wet and I didn't cut it before and they had to wet all of it and then put this freezing cold thing on. So then when they take it off, there'd be icicles all over my head. And, And then I knew that after the first round, nothing would happen with my hair, but I was like so mad after the first one because I obviously felt so disgusting when I came home and I had the biggest headache for the entire day. And I was like, I'm not doing this again unless it's working. So I did it a second time and I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it did not work for me. I did it a second time and they say that your hair starts falling out after the second round. And so much of my hair came out. I had so like a massive bald spot, like massive. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. And it was hard for me to actually like tell people that or like the hospital and like, even admit to my parents that I could not do it anymore. But I was in so much discomfort, I guess, because I, my hair was still pretty long and was falling. And because it was falling so fast, it was forming knots right here. And then we just have to brush them all out. And it was, the knots were for some reason so itchy, even though they weren't on my scalp, but I was in so much pain. I was trying every hat I could find to see what would be comfortable because I couldn't just have hair flying everywhere, even though <laughs> we actually had to clean my carpet so many times because of the hair. Crazy too. You literally, like, I remember I touched my head and the clumps will just fall. Yeah. Yeah. It like, it just flies off. Like it's like fried. It's so weird. My eyebrow and then half my eyebrow would be off. So yeah, after that, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I was in so much pain from it. And they say some people are in a lot of pain from the machine and some people can tolerate it really well. I have really bad pain tolerance, even though, yeah, I've gone through a lot, but I have used to have really, really, really bad pain tolerance. And um, like no one would ever believe before that I would be able to do this like ever. But yeah, it was, it, it just, I weighed the pros and the cons and I was scared it would be too cold on my bald head and it wasn't working. And I only wanted to go through all that pain if it was going to work. But I do recommend trying it because it works for a lot of people. The person who recommended for me to do it worked on them. Right. So like, it really depends. Also depends on what chemo you're on. It was really unlikely that with the type of chemo I was on my, I forget the percentages, but that my hair was going to. Right. And also is a really common misconception that chemo makes all your hair fall out. And I don't know if it's because I used the cold cap for two rounds, but I had like pieces of hair like this, like, I mean, this isn't my real hair, but like pieces of hair like that at the front until my surgery, which was five weeks ago. And like, I started chemo in October and those pieces stayed. So yeah, it's like really weird that things happen. So yeah. Eloise, did you shave your head? I can't remember. Yeah. Because it was so traumatic. Like if you saw a photo of me, like I had a huge bold spot like that. It was making me more upset to look at myself in the mirror with half a head of hair than it would be to just automatically shave it. And it was even crazy when I shaved my, I think we were on, we even talked about this. We were on the same type of chemo and it's like pretty intense chemo. Like your hair will fall out, but even with my buzz cut would go like that. And like my hand would have hair all over it. Right. I was just bound to lose my hair. So it was easier to just shave it from the beginning and not go through the trauma as a 15 year old of having your hair down to here fall out so for some reason I was more scared that the shaving would be traumatic like I don't I guess it just depends on me yeah I think I just like I also had a wig before I shaved my head so I literally went from like shaving my head to putting a wig immediately just had something else to focus on at that point Mm -hmm. but the hair was the hardest part for me because it was the one thing when I had finished everything it was the one thing that didn't go back to normal it was like one thing that made me visibly different from everyone else 
So that's what I had a hard time with. And it takes like three years to come back. Yeah. And even if it starts growing back, like right now I have like a super short buzz cut, but which I'm actually lucky that it's growing back really fast. I did finish in February and it happens out of nowhere. It just started growing like, yeah, like every three Um, weeks, like this much. Well, it it grew back differently. Did mine? Yeah. Like right now, I, I don't know yet because I think there's still like, I'm like, there's a buzz cut, but it looks thin right now, but I'm sure that it's going to get thicker. And like, it's like soft and yeah, like thin hairs. And I used to have like, it it used to be like really thick. So I feel like it'll get thicker. I had super, like not, probably not as thick hair as you, but I had thick hair and then it grew back pretty thin and sparse. But I also had never colored or done anything to my hair before I lost it. And then when it grew back and I started coloring it and putting a lot of like heat on it. So I think it just like kind of ruined my hair when it came back. But Oh, also like my eyebrows and eyelashes didn't start falling out until I was done the chemo. Like way after I was done. Like my eyebrows and eyelashes are still are like just started falling out like a month ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, they'll fall out and then come right back. They're coming back so fast. It's so like you don't realize how fast. It's your different. eyelashes come back so fast. It's kind of yeah. like crazy to think about like how your eyelashes don't grow that much because mm-hmm. they start growing back so fast. Yeah. I feel like another reason that it is kind of the pinnacle piece, especially for people in our age demographic is like Eloise was mentioning, it's only visual component of you being sick. It's a probably a very big internal battle with facing that your appearance will change. But at the same time, it's, a badge of like, I made it through the other side. And this is the proof of that. You should be really proud of yourself and, and not let it change the way you feel. You'll get to, yeah. You get to try on new, hair new hairstyles, like mm-hmm. a pixie cup before, but and there's so many times where we're like some, I were like waiting in a long line and I'm just like, I'm just taking my wig off so that they make me faster. Like there is, I mean, once you've like gone through the pain, there is something nice about still having it because you could just use it to your advantage. I mean, I've never exactly. done that. Like I say it, I would do it. Exactly. I, my wig would like fall off in the most absurd places and it would make people so visibly uncomfortable. Like, there's a photo of me even on Hollywood Tower of Terror at Disney World and <laughs> with my entire family and like I was wearing a wig and not really thinking of it. And my, there's an actual photo like from the little photo thing of my wig in the air like here. And then like it's comedic to look back on, right? Listen it. But like at the time, I think I was like so traumatized. I was like, no way. Like I'm so embarrassed that people just saw a photo of my bald head. Wait, that's, you should like send that to like meme accounts. Like that's so funny. I know. I know one of my friends was like, I want to send this to Ellen. And I was like, you cannot stop doing anything with this photo. Now I find it funny. But at the time I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That funny I think you're... I was going to say, I think just to like close off this amazing conversation, one of our mottos is, and I actually read it in one of your blogs one time or some like variation of it is you're stronger than you think. People have a lot of internal strength. That they don't even realize until they go through something super traumatic like cancer um, especially cancer at a young age and so I think it would just be really interesting for people to hear how that statement resonates with you and where you found your internal strength and were you surprised by what you were capable of handling so I was definitely surprised and yeah I definitely am stronger than I thought I was as you said you like literally just need to be put in that situation and there's also no option going the other way I have to continue with this treatment I have to do everything that I did in order to be okay and I obviously wanted to be okay so I think the end goal even now I'm 
only looking forward to the entire summer where I'm free to do whatever I want and knowing that I have something that I'm so excited for and also that I know will be amazing makes it easier to go through things and also watching other people or listening to other people talk about how they went through things is really helpful. So I've seen a few people at the hospital who have gone through it and online and stuff. So that's also helpful to know and to be like, oh my God, I just want to be there already. So then it's easy and it's just taking it day by day. For sure. And there's always someone who has it worse than you. And there's always someone who has it better than you. And it's just, it's about finding the perfect medium of feeling bad for yourself, but at the same time, counteracting that with finding the strength within yourself Mm -hmm. to be better and do better and get better. And when it's you going through it, it doesn't feel that crazy. I mean, from the, now, once I'm done, I'm going to be like, I don't know how I did that. But when it's you going through it, you just don't have a choice. So I yeah. just, yeah. It's just what you have to do. Yeah, it's just my well, life. So, well, congratulations. That's actually insane that you're going through not only cancer at a young age, but breast cancer at a young age and the number of obstacles you've had to overcome and that you're still going to have to overcome is remarkable. But I think it's safe to say that, that you're through the worst of it. And it seems like you've already come out on the other side, at least emotionally and mentally. So congratulations. It's amazing. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. Like we had mentioned, it's just such a good lesson in so many ways, not just in like, check yourself, be careful, you know, pay attention to your body, but also just your strength and your confidence and courage through all of this is so inspiring. And like you said, it's all about being able to look at other people going through similar situations to you and having people to relate to. And you serve as that person for a lot of people. So congratulations for that. And thank you so much for being as open as you are. And I hope you continue with your blog because I love it. For people that might've missed it, it's living your breast life. Iconic. We'll link it. We'll link it in the bio. But yeah, thank you so, so much for coming on. It was so great to meet you and hear your story. I had so much fun. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. Okay. Well, we'll stay in touch. But yeah, thank you. Thank you again. And for those listening, we'll link her Instagram and her blog so you guys can check it out and reach out to her if you have any questions or just want to talk. But yeah, that's it for today. Okay. Bye, guys. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I'm sure we can all agree that Dahlia's story is truly remarkable and her resiliency and positivity and approach to life is something that I think can inspire each and every one of us every single day. So I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to have had talked to her and learned a bit bit more about her. And let it serve as a reminder to all of us out there, boys and girls, check your body, be in tune with your body, because it's always better to be safe and know what's going on. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did, and we will see you next week for a new episode of The Fight Club. Have a great rest of your week, guys. Bye.